This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. All right, here we go. We are talking tight ends now on Fantasy Football Today. You know, a few weeks ago, maybe it was like a month or two ago, I said tight end is my favorite position. I will maybe have to defend myself on today's show. But we are talking tight ends now. Yesterday, as we did the quarterback preview, I mentioned at the top of the show that it was a great year. 2020 was a great year for quarterbacks. Well, they didn't exactly bring their tight ends along with them. The top five tight ends, other than the top two, Kelsey and Waller, pretty lousy when you look at Tunyon, Logan Thomas, Hawkinson being top five in a ordinary would. But we've got three great analysts here to talk about the position. Dave Richard, Jamie Eisberg, Keith Cummings. Your first assignment, guys. Tell me how you feel about tight end in 10 words or less. Heath, go. Tight end finally might not suck this year. Ha, 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 Did you add too many ha's at the end there? Or that was all one word. The ha's were all one word. Oh, okay, okay. Dave, it you're next. to one word. Uh, the top six tight ends are great. I hope that's true. Jamie, you're next. I want to ban tight ends from fantasy forever now. But wow. they're my wow. favorite position, Jamie. <laughs> I love this strategy. I really do uh, because, <clears throat> excuse me, and thank you for all indulging my illness. Um, you know, you, you got the top six, and we're going to start with some stats. I have some stats that I'm going to throw at you. And you tell me what you think about them. But I love the strategy involved because we've, we've coined sort of greater late. A lot of people are going to do that. Uh, if you don't get a top six guy, maybe a lot of people are just going to wait and wait and wait and see if they get some value. But I'm going to give you a stat, and I want everybody to give me a quick reaction. All right. In the last five seasons, rounds four through six, 21 tight ends have been drafted in rounds four through six. Only five of them finished top five. Two of those five were Kelsey. Uh I think Olsen in 2016, Waller last year, and there's one I'm forgetting. I think Ertz Andrews last year? No, he was not in top, top five in PPR. I think he was sixth in PPR. Oh, you're not doing points per game? Okay. Not per game. Um, yeah, I don't know. Really that. terrible stat. Uh, it's not a terrible Maybe, stat, though. Let's just try again. It's only five out of 21 drafted in rounds four through six, finishing top five. And that's been a bit of a narrative, right? Remember we had the Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, O.J. Howard year? Uh, mm-hmm. And then last year we had Ertz. And Waller, who's awesome, and Andrews. I'm not sure if – I'll check if there was another one in that group. Uh, Actually, I think Jared Cook was at the end of that group, believe it or not, according to ADP. Hasn't been a great spot for tight ends. So, Jamie, you were – or Dave, you were talking about the top six. But three of those top six, Pitts, Andrews, Hawkinson, fall into the tight end dead zone, as some might call it. What do you think? I think that there's still plenty of upside for the Andrews-Hawkinson-Pitts tier. To where they could they could fall off, they could disappoint us. There's no doubt about it. We have we've seen good numbers from Hawkinson. We don't know what to expect from Pitts. We're all excited about him. Someone's going to be too excited about him on draft day and take him earlier than the rest of us. Um, but I think Andrews has kind of proven it. And even if he wasn't top five last year, I don't know what he was on a per game basis last year. Finishes tight end six overall. That's still pretty good. Um, yeah. I I think that's well within the range of acceptable outcomes for a tight end that you take in rounds four through six is to finish his tight end six. Yeah, but most of them don't. I mean, that, you know, and you don't get a lot of breakouts from that range. But Andrews was fourth per game, sixth overall in PPR. 
Anybody scared about that? Anybody scared about the recent history of these second tier tight ends and how disappointing they've been? You have to be scared, but you know, I mean, what else are you going to do? <laughs> you know, it's it's no. you just not draft waiting and waiting and waiting. No, right, you um, just draft them and you go late. You let yeah, other people I, take the chance on Pitts or on Hawkinson, or if you don't love Andrews, someone else will take a chance on Andrews. I guess Heath if I have a pick at the three four turn now, I should just take Andrews in the third, and then I won't yeah, have to worry about it. That'll be fine. Yeah, um, <laughs> they'll be fine. But right. yeah, I mean, I. I I think there's definitely something to this. There have been, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying with my 10 words or less. It wasn't just a joke. Most years we've come out and said, you know, we've got these young guys that have almost done it. And this is going to be the year. And for the most part, they've not done it. Um, Hunter Henry and OJ Howard and Evan Ingram. And like, there's been a lot of those guys. And for the most part, they've failed. And as a result, for the most part, tight end's been terrible. Yeah. And I guess I should clarify, it's not like everyone who hasn't been top five in that group has been terrible. You know, sometimes they're tight end eight. They they didn't live up to their draft position, but they were okay. That's like if you Evan take Ingram. tight end eight in round four through six, it was a bust. Yeah, it was. But it wasn't a completely useless player. Like, some of them were, were like Zach Ertz last year, you know. But some of them were were just... Top eight tight ends. Okay, anyway, here's our next stat. Jamie, I'll give this one to you. 15 tight ends have finished top five in PPR in the last three seasons. Okay, five times three. Here's where they were drafted. Five of them were drafted in rounds two to three. One in round four, one in round six. Eight of them, eight of 15, were drafted in rounds 12 or later. Is that amazing? Just more than half of the top five tight ends in the last three years were drafted in round 12 or later. What do you think? I mean, you think about two guys last year with Logan Thomas and Robert Tunyon, which weren't drafted at all for the most part. So, you know, this is what we we're, we're talking about here. If you if you're concerned about the groups, the group of tight ends in rounds four through six, you just wait it out and play tight end roulette, stream the position, and see what happens. Uh, you know, there's a lot of young tight ends or or guys in good situations that you can get late, like Herb Smith and Adam Troutman, and uh, if you like John New Smith, um, Gerald Everett. You know, there there's a lot of very interesting prospects at the position that you don't have to spend a pick in rounds four through six. And those guys may be as good as those guys in rounds four through six, not as proven as Andrews, not as maybe as much upside as Hawkinson or Pitts, but uh, certainly, you know, potential to be close to them or close enough to them that you'd want to wait the five or six rounds. You can, you know, get other players before taking those guys. So um, that stat is probably more telling than, than the failures of the other guys. Cause you know, you factor in like, you know, you mentioned uh, Hunter Henry. You know, there was the year that we were talking about, I think, two years ago, and he was injured. But when he played, he was good. But, you know, overall, his season was was a disappointment because he missed, you know, time with the knee injury. So um, that 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 you have to factor in. But I think, you know, if if you're not going to get one of the top three guys, I've been saying this a lot, great or late, uh, you can, you know, take a, a flyer on some guys that are in some really good spots with, with late-round picks. And like Dave said, let somebody else take the, the three guys uh, of Andrews, Hawkinson, and... Uh, and Pitts, and, and I do think that this stat, and I, I teased you a little bit with the first one. I think this one's really impacted by the fact that you used full season results and not per game results. Because last year in particular, George Kittle and Mark Andrews were both top five per game, but they got hurt or missed a game or two. Yeah. And so they weren't top five in the end of season results. And that caused some guys that were drafted really late who weren't actually that much better in like tight end or t- eight or 10, but they played 16 games and they ended up showing as top five. Mike Kosicki was one of them. He finished seventh among tight ends. He had 154 PPR fantasy points over the course of the season. 
Well, actually, the three guys last year, Jamie said two of them. The other one was Hawkinson. It was Hawkinson, Thomas, and Tunyon. They were all drafted in round 12 or later, according to fantasyfootballcalculator.com. Do I have to really say .com at this point? Probably not. W, according to www. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's go to... So, so basically, tight end is a position where you do have surprises in the top five very consistently. Guys who were drafted late or not drafted at all. So let's go to the next. So we have to try to find those guys. Let's go to the next stat here. That's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, and this is my favorite stat. In the last five seasons, Robert Tunyon last year is the only tight end who finished in the top five without being first or second on his team in targets. The only one. He had one of the luckiest tight end seasons you're ever going to see. Caught a ton of touchdowns, had... I don't remember, like 65 targets or something. 79 targets. 79? All right. Um, It's probably some Azer stat. I gave him 65. Or 59 targets. Maybe it's 59 targets. Yeah, okay. It was 59 targets. Okay, 59 targets. He was only three targets away, actually, though, from being second on his team. So that stat, five years, Tanya's the only one who finished top five without being first or second on his team in targets. That's huge to me. Targets matter so much at this position. So I think if you're looking late, you probably want to find someone who's going to get a, get a lot of targets on his team. Do you guys, you know, agree with this premise? And now let's start talking about, and we'll get to obviously later in the show, we'll talk about more late round picks, but who could fit that description of dominating targets on his team and, and sneaking into the top five? Later, guys, or Hawkinson, guys? No, uh, no. Um, you know, round eight, after the top six. The Patriots. Oh, I mean, I, I think... Uh, and I just got through talking to him, but uh, we're, we're going to air this on Friday. But Pete Prisco's in New Orleans, and you know he said that almost you know every other pass was going to Alvin Kamara and Adam Troutman. Um, yeah, he said Kamara's going to have probably his best year ever catching the ball, um, which was oh nice that's to hear. great but, to hear. Um, Troutman, he said, is is looking every bit the the guy we've been talking about, and um, you know uh, it, it's weird when you look at certain. Rankless, I think, because I'll speak for my own, for example. Uh, I do have those three guys in, in the first six rounds after the top three, you know, so Hawkinson, Andrews, and and uh, and Pitts. But then there's such a huge gap of when those other guys are ranked in the top 200. And, you know, you may – like I have I have Irv Smith. I think I have Fant, seven, Irv Smith, eight, uh, Troutman, nine, you know, something like that. And uh, – but I'm not taking them in round seven, eight, nine. You know, it's not. It's not like that's the the spot they should go. I I think if you can play it the right way and you can get you know Smith or you can get Troutman or you know Janu or, um, you know, it, I still hope Goddard loses Zach Ertz and he could be in this category also, Adam. But uh, Troutman to me is the one that with Michael Thomas out to start the season, Traquan Smith now dealing with the hamstring injury. He's going to be in the top three in targets or has a chance to be in top three in targets in his team. And he may be in top three in targets if those guys are healthy based on the reports you're hearing. All right. So let's get into our general strategy discussion. When to take Travis Kelsey. But that happened, you know, in, in regards to Logan Thomas last year, as we saw. Yeah. I think he was second on the team in targets. Yeah. It just took him a little while to get going. The first half of his year was just meh. Did he have more than McKissick? They were like neck and neck, but he must have been, or otherwise my stat is is pretty messed up. So I can't imagine that would have been true. I really, uh, please, please tell me. <laughs> I think they may have been tied, to be quite honest with you. Um, it's like right around 100, right, for both of them? Well, I'll, I'll check. We'll find out whose internet's going to load faster. I think McKissick got 110. I don't remember how many Logan Thomas had. They both had 110. I knew it. 
All right. The stat is legit. So you know what they say. Adam, you were right. Thank you, Heath. All right, listen. I want to tell you all about Grammarly. Grammarly Premium in particular. I have Grammarly Premium, and I use it. It is really, really good. Grammarly.com slash FFT. That's our URL. Grammarly, which you should know how to spell it, right? G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash FFT. Get 20% off Grammarly Premium. I struggled with that a little bit, huh? You want to spell it again, maybe? G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash FFT. All right, what is Grammarly? Well, first of all, you write something. You have to proofread it. Takes a while. It's kind of annoying. It's a waste of time. Let Grammarly do it for you. They edit. They polish your writing. Um, so, for example, I think probably ten people read this, but I wrote an article for the website during the NFL draft. It was about the Jets wide receivers because I get the best assignments. And when I finished writing the article, I honestly went went on Grammarly Premium, uploaded it. Got some suggestions, and Grammarly really cleaned it up, suggested some new vocab. One of the things that I think that I don't do well enough that Grammarly helped me is eliminated excess words just to make a stronger point, a clearer point, those types of things. Very, very helpful on Grammarly. So if you're writing something important, maybe you're in in school and it's a paper, maybe you're presenting something at work, maybe it's just an important email, whatever it is, give Grammarly Premium a try. And it's gonna be it's gonna be quick, it's gonna be easy, and it's gonna be effective. Streamline your workload with seamless integration into Microsoft Office, your internet browser, your phone, and more, and cut down on editing time. That's a big deal. Write more confidently with Grammarly Premium. So get 20% off Grammarly Premium by signing up at grammarly.com slash FFT. 20% off at grammarly.com slash FFT. All right, let's go overall tight end strategy. Dave, kick it off. I am looking for Travis Kelsey toward the end of round one. If he slips to the beginning of round two, it's an absolute steal. If I don't pick in that range, I've got an early first round pick. Then I'm looking for Waller or Kittle in late round two, early round three. I am going to prioritize them. I don't mind taking them at that value. Not trying to steal these tight ends. I'm going to get them at the ADP value. If I don't get them, yeah, I'll, I'll look for, depending on format, Hawkinson, Andrews, Pitts. But I think someone will probably take pits before I do. And I'll go for one of those other two tight ends. But if I don't get any of those six, I'm just going to wait till late. You know, the greater late plan. That's what we're doing here. And if I go late, I'm going to draft two tight ends. And I like Troutman or Johnu Smith to be one or both of them. Okay. Uh, Heath, your strategy? Uh, I'm always so bad at this. I, You know... Something weird's happened in the last month. It's pretty much for me been Kelsey in round one or Andrews in round four or five or Noah Fant in round eight, nine. Okay, that's great. Um, I have not found because it it just, I'm not taking Kittle and Waller in round two. And so it kind of has worked out to where if, if I don't take Kelsey in the mid to late round one, or if I do, if I'm there, I take him there. And if I have the other pick, I'm not taking Waller and Kittle. So that's my strategy. Jamie? I I tend to, you know, just jump around a little bit because I'm trying a lot of different things with our, our drafts. So, like, I'm in a draft, um, a Sports Illustrated draft right now where Kittle was there in round three. It was easy to take him at that spot. I was picking fourth. So I started with Derrick Henry and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with my first two picks. And then I took his PPR draft. So I took Kittle wow, in round three. Great. Time I think I've taken Kittle. Um, I'm in, uh, I think we're all in the draft with Giants, which, you know, is a, a tight end premium league. And I took Darren Waller at 11 overall, you know, so um, 
I tend to just jump around with it, but I, I mean, I think, you know, Adam, we, we tend to fight for Hawkinson in our drafts uh, quite a bit. Um, I was taking Dallas Goddard in that same range, you know, round or two later, but now that's not the same. And then, you know, same thing, wait late. I take a lot of Tyler Higby. You know, I think he's got a chance without Gerald Everett there with Matthew Stafford there to uh, be one of those late round guys. Like I think he's better than John who personally, um, I think he's in a better spot uh, with that offense. He's going to be in with the run game being non-existent. Um, and, and as Jacob Gibbs told us uh, when he was on, I don't know, a month or so ago, uh, what this offense was with their targets per routes run for their tight ends. And now there's no Gerald Everett there. So I think Higby's got a chance to uh, come nowhere close to what he was doing at the end of the 2019 season. That was never going to be a, a, a replicable situation, but he could be uh, a borderline top 10 guy that you can get with your last pick. So he's somebody that I wait for a lot too. Yeah, I mean, he's played five games in his career without Gerald Everett. I mean, technically, I think he's only played two or three, but in the other games in that stretch, Everett played a combined four or five snaps, so he basically got benched. And in that stretch, Tyler Higbee had the best run in tight end history. That is not an exaggeration. He had four straight 100-yard games. I don't think anyone's ever done He might have had five, and no tight end has ever done that. Um, I think it was five of 80 or more yards. Yeah, I think four, he had four, four straight 100-yard games. Um on the other hand, Matthew Stafford has never had an 800. This surprised me. Never had an 800-yard tight end. Best tight end was Brandon Pettigrew. Um, or maybe Hawkinson last year. But Pettigrew was 777 yards, five touchdowns. Hawkinson, 723 and six touchdowns. Best tight ends for Stafford. Yeah, I don't think you should you should invest heavily in Tyler Higby. But I think once you get past you know the the top 10 or 11 guys, he, he's in that mix of 12 through 20. And and again, you know, you've seen him produce at a high level. Um I, again, I'll go back to Jacob's stat. You know, when, when they let their tight ends run routes, they throw to them. At least Jared Goff did. So yeah. uh, we'll see if, if Stafford does the same thing. The counter to that, though, is, is like you said, they've given Stafford two of the best tight end prospects in the NFL in the last, you know, 10-plus years with when they drafted Eric Ebron and when they drafted TJ Hawkinson, and they didn't exactly make those guys work. This is also the same coaching staff that had a bird's-eye view of Higby when he broke out for that five-game stretch, and then they really didn't do anything with it the whole season after. Yeah. Now they're going to go. Now they're going to turn to him when when they've got Stafford. Oh, I don't think he's doing that. You know, I, I know last year Dave, you really high on Higby. I, I loved him. Build off that, but that was never going to be you know sustainable. It, it, it's just a no. matter of can he can he be fifty or sixty yards a game and the chance to score every couple of weeks? And that's the type of guy you're looking for. Yeah, I don't think he's that. I think he. I think if you're if you're and this is like now we're talking about the types of tight ends. What are you looking for with those late round guys? You're looking for either a guy that can be first or second on his team in targets. I don't think that's going to be Higby. Or you're looking for a guy that's going to routinely be part of the red zone mix. And I don't know if he's going to be a part of that either in Los Angeles. Uh, would you guys take Higby or Troutman? Troutman. Troutman, easy. I think I, I've got him right in the same range. I'll, I'll take Troutman just because of the potential for being first or second on his team in targets, I, I know how important that is. It's very he's important. A, he's on a team that <laughs> leans on the tight end in the red zone. Well, 21 listen, touchdowns to tight ends the past two years in New Orleans. It's important to finish top five. It's not required to finish top 10. So, if, you know, but if you're, if you're someone who right, likes to swing That's what I'm the looking fences, for. I'm looking for someone who's got the upside to finish top <laughs> right, five. Yeah, and you should be right. All right, does anybody change their strategy significantly in non or half PPR compared to full PPR? No. Not so much. I think one thing, though, that we probably need to do a better job of is two receiver leagues versus three receiver leagues because a lot of industry leagues in our drafts are three receiver leagues, but still a lot of people play in two receiver leagues. And that, I think, changes things a little bit because then the tight end becomes a little bit more prominent. 
And uh, Adam, we have to correct the greatest tight end stretch in NFL history. Um, it was pro- probably not Tyler Higby. It was probably Travis Kelsey. But I don't think he's ever had four straight 100-yard games. That's but he had happened. more games, more yards in his last four games last year than Higby did in that stretch. Yeah, but did he have four straight 100 games? Are you arguing? He only had 98 in one of them. Oh, then, it uh, then it does not count. Forget it. it count. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, two receiver leagues, you know, those top three tight ends for sure could, could be more prominent. So would you guys take Darren Waller or Justin Jefferson? In a two receiver league? Both. Jinx. Both. In a two-receiver league, I would take Waller. In a three-receiver league, I would take Jefferson. That sounds right. I'm probably taking Waller either way. When should... Oh, okay. When should Travis Kelsey be taken? Let's talk about that. His ADP is ninth overall. I'm good with that. I usually start looking for him around seven. Yeah, six to nine. Nice. Um, Does that change in non-PPR? Is he a first-round pick in non-PPR? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, nine to eleven in non PPR. Agree. I'm gonna let you guys take him then. I'll go on running back. If those catches don't count, his value drops a little. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at um Kelsey in in non PPR. Well, let's take him in half PPR. His best season per game was last year. I think he averaged seventeen point three half PPR points per game. That's usually gonna be a top five wide receiver but it's usually going to be about running back eight or nine in half PPR. So knowing that in his best season last year, I don't know that that's worth the first round pick. Um, but well, I, again, you know, this goes back to the value-based drafting earlier in, in the week. Yeah. Like Travis Kelsey doesn't need to be the number one running back to be worth more than the number one running back. No, but what if he's the number eight running back and you take him in round one, you know? I well, he running said he's taking him nine to nine to yeah. eleven, so there's probably eight running backs going ahead of him. Yeah, no wide receivers. Okay. Um, all right. So he's still going to have a distinct advantage over most of the other players at the position. Uh, so let's run through it in a full PPR league: McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Henry, all ahead of Kelsey. Yep. Yeah, I put Zeke and Aaron Jones ahead of him too. Yeah, I would too. I put Eckler ahead of him as well. <clears throat> okay. So that's the range. Well, how about uh, Waller and Kittle? First of all, do you all have Waller ahead of Kittle? I do. Yes. Uh, yes. Why? Back to back, though. Why? For what we've been talking about, he's going to lead his team in targets. And, you know, Kittle is going to share probably the most he's been since he's become the, the star that he is. Um, you know, he's so good with the ball in his hands. His yards after catch are fantastic. He's well aware of it, by the way, if you talk to him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, if Ayuk and, and Debo are as good as they have been in each of their rookie seasons and can put that all together and everybody's healthy with what they do running the ball, he's not going to see anywhere close to the amount of targets that Darren Waller is, or at least shouldn't. There's and Waller doesn't. is by far the best player in his on his team, and yeah. he's the best pass catcher on his team. And so, <laughs> you know... Well, you can say whatever you want about how good Trey Lance may be. You know Derek Carr is leaning on Darren Waller as much as he can. And and I think that Kittle has – you have to – like, not that this is a big factor, but you have to consider Kittle more of an injury risk. And you have to consider that Waller has more touchdown upside. Nobody in San Francisco ever scores more than five touchdowns. And somebody who's going to start scoring more touchdowns and taking them away from the pass catchers there could be Lance when he does get in there because he runs a little bit. And we, 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 we're we hearing all sorts of amazing things about Trey Lance in camp. 
there's no guarantee that he's going to just come in and be the most accurate passer in the history of football. He's probably going to miss some throws to all of his receivers, and that'll drive down the numbers overall for Kittle, for Ayuk, for Debo. So, I mean, I I think that kind of summarizes it, why Kittle is a clear number three. I'm a little nervous uh, for all the reasons we just mentioned. He's such an incredible player, but he's so physical. Gets hurt. He, no, like you look at his game log, he's he's played a lot of games except for last year. But he's you know he's more like he said more injury prone. But I just think Trey Lance is going to be bad for him, and I don't know what I don't know if or when Trey Lance takes the field. But I think it's going to be bad for him. And also, if you look at the pass attempts and the four seasons under Shanahan, they, they've had a they really haven't had a good defense in any except for one year, and that was the Super Bowl year, and they barely threw. So if their defense gets better, and really it should, it'd be shocking if it didn't. With all they missed, all they lost last year, I think the pass attempts are down. I think Lance means fewer passing yards because he's going to run so much, and he's a rookie with hardly any college experience. So I don't want to alarm people. I haven't taken any George Kittle. I'm nervous about him. I can't pass up a top ten wide receiver for Kittle. Um, you know, are you guys are probably more confident than I am. So talk me off the ledge, I guess. I think with, you know, again, Kittle, it's, it's what he does with the ball in his hands. He's still going to be the tar- – he should be at least the target leader on the team. Uh, that's a Shanahan thing. I don't think that's going to necessarily be, you know, Trey Lance improvising and going away from that. I'm sure they're going to beat it into his head. You know, that's your first look in probably most cases more times than not. The problem with Kittle is, you know, and, and this speaks to what you were saying, Adam, He's probably the best tight end in football for what the position typically is because he's. I think he's a better blocker than Travis Kelsey. I don't think that's a knock on Kelsey's game. Kelsey's a better receiver. But his overall game doesn't necessarily translate to fantasy the way Kelsey's game translates to fantasy because you've seen it, you know, what, what Kelsey is able to do. So I think Kittle comes down to cost. I don't want to draft Kittle in the second round. And in some cases, I don't want to take him to the middle of the third. And it goes to, you know, I think the two-receiver, three-receiver league, the league where I told you the Sports Illustrated draft that I'm doing, it's a two-receiver league with two flexes. So I don't have to play, you know, I, I, I don't have to, you know, worry about drafting three receivers. So I took Hill in the third round as what well, to me was a no-brainer. Um, and it's PPR. So if it's a three-receiver league and, you know, you're staring at A.J. Brown or uh, maybe D.K. Metcalf or, um, you know, if you're Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, those group of wide receivers that are going to be in the early third – if you are inclined to go receiver there, those guys probably have more upside in PPR than George Kittle does this year. And so it's just a matter of how you want to go about building your team. Kittle's going to be probably the buffer. You know, he's like the mini bridge. I think Kelsey's the, the lead guy. Waller's the second guy. Then there's a bridge. And I think Kittle's ahead of the next group, probably by a good margin, but he's still behind, I think, Waller and Kelsey based on what the upside is. Okay. How do you guys rank tight ends four through six? PPR, I've got Hawkinson at the top. Andrews after him. Pitts after him. And then if it's non-PPR, and I haven't decided in half, but I probably have PPR, I'll put Andrews ahead of Hawkinson. Okay. So, Heath, how about you? Uh, Yeah, I've got Andrews and then a gap, and then I go back and forth on Hawkinson and Pitts, but they are – it's the same four, five, six. Um, But I do have uh, Andrews a pretty decent amount ahead of Hawkinson and Pitts. All right, let's talk about that. So you're you're the Andrews guy, and ADP in half PPR has obviously those three are, are grouped together. It's Andrews, then no, it's Pitts, Andrews, Hawkinson, but they're all in round five. All right, so that's so, not surprising, by yeah. the way. Make your case for Andrews, Heath. 
Well, and I, I know what's happened in the past is no guarantee to keep happening, but I don't think anything's happened in Baltimore that's going to change the fact that Mark Andrews is Lamar Jackson's number one option in the passing game, especially with this rocky start to training camp with Jackson not being there and with the receivers taking time, missing time. And Andrews in his good year was really almost a part of that top big three. And he took a step back last year and he was still a point and a half per game better than TJ Hawkinson. So the Pitts argument, I don't really have a good one other than I'm only willing to push a rookie tight end so much higher than I've ever drafted a rookie (laughs) tight end. And maybe Kyle Pitts will just make me look stupid, but I'm currently projecting him to have the greatest uh, rookie tight end season that has existed since I've been playing fantasy football and I'm too low on him. So I'm just not going to get him. And I've come to terms with that with, with Hawkinson. It's just, I'm not projecting the same type of leap in either efficiency or volume that he would need to get on Andrew's level. Okay. And then if you guys want to, Jamie, why don't you make the case for Hawkinson over Mark Andrews? Yeah. I don't know if necessarily efficiency will be better, but I do expect the volume to be better, you know, and, and that's something that, I mean, you've heard me say this time and time again, that that's what I'm counting on. I'm counting on this receiving court to be as terrible as it looks on paper with Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perryman. And uh, Williams is already banged up to begin with. Now DeAndre Swift is banged up to begin with. Um, you know, so uh, Amon Ross St. Brown might have some very, very, you know, big upside if he could uh, sneak in there as the number one receiver. But this just is a terrible group. And you're already hearing positive things of Derek Goff leaning on TJ Hawkinson. Why wouldn't he? Um, it just makes the most sense that that's his best playmaker. So he may not be the most efficient tight end. He may not, he may have some, some flaws as we've seen in, in the couple of seasons that he's played. And let's, let's be clear. He was injury prone his rookie season. So, um, he's got to, you know, prove that that is significantly behind him, but I just think he's going to be the target leader on this team. And that's proven to be a very good situation for a tight end stepping forward and having big stats. So I think a lot more catches than Andrews. Uh, I love Mark Andrews. You know, I hate when we have this conversation because it always sounds like Heath doesn't like Hawkinson and I don't like Andrews. And I, I hate that because I think we both like both guys. Um, and for me, it's close. You know, I know Heath, you said there's a big margin between Andrews and Hawkinson. I get that. Uh, I think it's close uh, in PPR. I think Andrews is better in non-PPR because he should score more touchdowns. But if everybody is healthy in Baltimore, while Lamar Jackson should still lean on Andrews the most, he now has other guys that are playmakers. They're not Willie Sneed and Miles Boykin. Rashad Bateman is a much better prospect than those two guys and a much better player probably than they are than he, than they were a year ago. And Sammy Watkins, whenever he's on the field, is going to be better than those guys. And so with Marquise Brown being there, now Brown is out for any way to start the season. I'll put Andrews ahead of Hawkinson for sure because then you're still you, – you you're, you're, you're relying on these new guys to come in and make plays and, and, and the, the one reliable receiver is not there. But uh, Marquise Brown is back soon. I'll keep it the way it is. And, and Andrews is, is still a great player. Uh, I certainly would love to have him on a lot of my fantasy teams. But I'm going to take Hawkinson over him in PPR. And Dave, why don't you make the case for the people? I know you don't believe this, but the people are taking Kyle Pitts ahead of Andrews and uh, Hawkinson. So why are they doing that? Make the optimistic case for Kyle Pitts as the fourth tight end. Well, let's start with what his size is. Okay, he is six foot five and five eight, so basically six feet six inches tall. That's like a small forward in the NBA. He's two hundred forty five pounds. He runs a four 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 forty. He's got a wingspan of about 84 inches. His hands are 10 and 5 eighths inches wide. That is humongous. I compare that with Calvin Johnson. He's within an inch of the height of Calvin Johnson, six pounds away from Calvin Johnson, less than a tenth of a second slower 
than Calvin Johnson. And he's got one and three eighths inches bigger hands than Calvin Johnson. And you can use him as a tight end. He fits into an Atlanta offense that is now being schemed by a guy who constantly utilized his tight ends in Tennessee. And he's got a quarterback in Matt Ryan who should have decent enough protection to find him the football accurately on both short mid range and deeper throws. When he was at Florida, he averaged a touchdown every 3.6 catches last year. Looked like a man playing among boys. He's not going to look quite that way in the NFL, but would it really surprise you if you caught a touchdown every 6.3 receptions in the NFL? All right, maybe yes. even once every 8.3 receptions in the NFL. It could be whatever, but I, I think that he's got this unbelievable upside not because he's your typical traditional tight end. Jamie talked about George Kittle being the best all-around tight end. Kyle Pitts isn't in Atlanta because of his blocking prowess. He is a wide receiver on the Calvin Johnson size speed level who's playing at a tight end in fantasy football. And that's what gets people pumped up. You tack on the fact that Atlanta's run game, I know they got Mike Davis. We'll see what that is. Their defense, I know there's been reports about their defense playing better. I bet their defense isn't going to be that good. They're going to throw a lot. And I think Arthur Smith has made it clear he loves to adapt to the strengths of his players, and he adapts to what the game calls for. And I think you're going to see Atlanta throw a lot, maybe not quite as much as last year, close to it. And Kyle Pitts will either be the first or second best target in that offense. He's going to be tough to defend, and people are going to be very excited about him. And they will reach for him in that round four range, and maybe even in tight end premium tight end premium leagues. I'm getting excited. Round three, and in dynasty leagues, it'll be even higher than that because they see a long term future, a guy that could just completely reform the tight end position all by himself. He could be the next Travis Kelsey. Yeah. And so people get excited. They'll take him a little bit sooner, but I still feel like the majority of fantasy managers are going to be happy to take him if he falls in that round five-ish range. Yes. But I'm t- there's going to be two or three people in every league. They're going to go after him in round four. Go, Heath. Go. Two. Yes, I think Dave did an excellent job of making the people's case and really got into it. There were two things that I just want to object to. I think Dave might have said that Kyle Pitts might be better than Calvin Ridley this year. No, I, I don't. Oh, that you said he could be their first or second. First or second in targets. Yeah, so I, you can I, have I don't more know that. Than Calvin Ridley. I I think there's a chance for it to happen. Yes, I'm I'm not going to sign I, my name okay. to that. I'm if Calvin misses a couple of games, it's going to happen. Oh well, we're not going to play that game. So he's not. I, gonna, okay. We're not going. Nobody's going to respect that. Well, what are we? Okay, fine. So he'll be second on the team in yeah, targets. Second on the team, in and targets. that's what we're looking for from tight ends. Right. I am not confident that he that he will be second on the team in targets, but I think that people believe that for sure. The other thing that D- Dave said something that the Kyle Pitts backers definitely say. And it's about Arthur Smith. It's two things. One, that he's shown the ability to adapt to the to, to weapons he has. I I've only seen him use Derrick Henry as a battering ram. Like he may very well adapt this year, but he's not shown us that ability. You yet. didn't see AJ Brown or Johnu Smith or Ryan Tannehill. Johnu Smith well, never had certainly not with Johnu. Johnu never had 500 yards. You know, right? Like that right. was the second Johnu thing. The unicorn. Everybody's chasing a unicorn with Johnu. Yeah. No, n- nobody <laughs> in the two years that Arthur Smith was calling plays, no tight end had more than 65 targets in a season. Um, if that's what happens with Kyle Pitts, then he's the biggest bust on the face of the. Earth. But they also right. barely threw the ball. I mean, I, I guess that would be the other thing, right? Well, the, the Falcons. The thing that it's also, hold if on, if it's also. If you're, if you're looking at trends, then that's what Arthur Smith wants to do. You know, now does he have the horses to do it? That's the bigger question because he doesn't have a Derrick Henry. So is he going to adapt to what he has around him? That's the that's the thing you got to figure out. Is he going to lean into Matt Ryan and lean into Calvin Ridley and lean into Kyle Pitts and say, 
we'll run when we have to run, but I don't think Mike Davis is going to be the thing that helps us get back to the playoffs. I don't think anybody thinks that. Why would you draft Kyle Pitts? Would you draft him? John, who had so, 65 targets. Ferkser had 53 targets. I can go down the list. Jeff yeah, Hayden totaled for 20. But they're going to throw but, a lot more than the Titans did. I think that's the key to it all. He's going to be the most interesting. I'm saying he's the most interesting man in fantasy. I don't want, yeah, I don't want to be anti Kyle Pitts at right. all. I think the things Dave said about Kyle Pitts are all completely 100% true. It's the stuff about his situation and the stuff about whether we should just ignore everything that's ever happened with any other rookie tight end hmm. that, I, that I, I struggle with. Okay. Well, we're going to look at ADP um, past the top six in a bit. We'll do some sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Going to remind you. We, you, all of you want more salary cap draft, you call them auctions, salary cap draft talk. Well, we're going to have a live one for you on the YouTube channel, Fantasy Football Today, youtube.com slash fantasy football today, Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. So hit the subscribe button, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. We will see you Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern for a salary cap mock draft. And we're going to take the audio if you miss it. We'll take the audio. We're going to make it a podcast next Sunday, I believe. Break coming up when we come back. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, and the rest of average draft position after the top six on Fantasy Football Today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, here we go. Your favorite sleeper tight end. Jamie, we'll start with you. We'll go Jamie, Dave Heath. Favorite sleeper tight end. You know, it's such a it's a strange position because uh, prior to Michael Thomas going down, it would have been easy to say Adam Chapman, but he's not a sleeper anymore. Uh, he's just everybody's too too well aware of him. Uh, and I think the same thing with Irv Smith. So it's hard to put those guys in that category. So I'll go back to Tyler Higby. I think you're just getting him at a good price for a guy that uh, has shown you the ability to be a star, has a chance, I think, you know, to uh, uh, be a little bit of a difference maker without Gerald Everett there. And you know what? I'll, I'll give you two. I'll give you Gerald Everett as well. I just think both those guys uh, leaving each other is going to be good for their situation, especially for Everett following a guy that he knows with Shane Waldron, who's with the Rams. All right, Higby and Everett. Dave, you're next. I agree about Troutman. He's more of a breakout at this point than a sleeper. I still think John is a sleeper. You can find him late on draft day. Patriots gave him a ton of money this year. Uh, He was the first big free agent signing that they had. I think they're looking for a move tight end, a guy that can use his athleticism to combat mismatches downfield. We saw him as a big-time red zone threat for Tennessee. I think he picks that up with the Patriots, and I bet he improves his route running and his route tree in New England. And when they do decide to throw, and I think they'll throw certainly a, a little bit more this year than they did last year, especially once Mac Jones gets in there. I think John has a chance to be their number one target getter this year. I love the upside with John Smith. 
I, I agree with that. Like when Adam was talking about the teams that are players that could be the number one target on their team, I think either Hunter Henry or John o. Smith could fit into that. It's funny. I was looking at CBS ADP because I was trying to decide who's a sleeper and who's a breakout. Um, I think Tyler Higby in CD, CBS ADP is now inside the top 100. <laughs> and Adam really? Troutman's like tight end 18. Um, John o. Smith is five spots behind Hunter Henry in round 13. It's so I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to use that. Um, and this is not true in the best ball drafts or the N- NFC ADP we normally use, but CBS drafters are kind of acting like I did for most of the offseason with Logan Thomas, just pretending like, well, there's no chance he can ever do that again. He's behind Mike Gesicki, Eric Ebron, and most of the other guys that we've talked about, especially Higby. Um, he's just dominating the Washington defense in training camp right now. And it's stupid to call a guy who finished top five last year a sleeper. But if he's being drafted in the 12th round after he finished top five last year, I don't know what else you call him. You can't call him a breakout. He just did it. Well, yeah, it's that CBS ADP. It is. Yeah. Uh, Fantasy Pros has him in the eighth round as the ninth overall tight end. Logan Thomas. So, so would you take him there? I could all like if I want you want to go deeper, I'll just say OJ Howard. No, it's, um, I'm just asking. Was, do, you, do you think Logan Thomas is is okay as the ninth tight end off the board. I think I have him 10th. Okay. So That's by fine. that, no. Um, let's just say OJ Howard because he's not on our ADP and he's like tight end 20 by everybody else's. Um, I Like he's got to be 100% healthy and he's not quite there yet. I think he's practicing every other day right now, but he's off the pup. And I, I believe Jamie said that Pete was talking about how much they really like him there in Tampa and how they're going to go to more two tight end sets this year. And he was actually outperforming Gronk last year before he got hurt. I think there's a chance he's the best tight end in Tampa Bay and a top 12 tight end this year just based on touchdowns. Gronk is tight end 10 right now in Fantasy Pros half PPR ADP. That is uh, that is, reminds me of Jared Cook last year a little bit. Not quite as early as Cook was going, but... Please don't ever say Rob Gronkowski reminds you of Jared Cook ever. I would never insult Jared Cook like that. <laughs> All right, favorite breakouts. We'll, we'll flip it back. He's Dave Jamie. Go ahead, Heath. Now I don't have to worry about ADP at all. I'll go with, uh, yeah. this will shock everyone, but I'm going to say Noah Fant. <laughs> Fant played 12 games, complete games, with a quarterback last year and averaged uh, right around 11.5 PPR fantasy points per game. That would have been fifth on a per-game basis last year. I feel pretty confident he's going to have better quarterback play than he did last year, either because Drew Locke improves, which we shouldn't rule out, or because Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback, which is what will happen if Drew Locke doesn't improve. There have been lots of raving about Fant and how they're going to use him more in motion and moving him into the slot this season. Cortland Sutton's slowly getting back to himself, but they gave a lot of targets last year to Tim Patrick and K.J. Hamler and Deshaun Hamilton. There's plenty of targets for Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and Noah Fant to be a big three. Dave, you're up. Uh, I'm going to say Troutman. I just love the the size speed matchup and and it's not like great speed, but it's good speed for a tight end. Um, when he ran routes last year, I thought he looked crisp. He was able to make cuts. It was nice to see saints have utilized tight ends more in the red zone than overall, but they need help. They need targets at this point. And here's a big one in Troutman in a second year in this offense should know what he's doing and a clear path to a full uh, amount of snaps. Each game would be stunned if he played below 75% of the snaps week in and week out. And if Jameis Winston's the quarterback, nearly a third of his career touchdowns have gone to tight ends. We've been talking about this for years. Jameis leans on his tight end. Here's a humongous one 
that can move that is in an offense that needs targets downfield. I, I think I, where was he in the CBS ADP? Adam Trowman, eighteenth among tight ends. You said he. Yeah, I was doing some quick counting, but it was in that range. It, it was not in the top twelve. And For sure not. He, I'm drafting him as a top ten tight end. And I even looked in the last like five days because you know since the Michael Thomas injury, I thought maybe it would it would be a lot higher. But he's fifteenth since uh, since August first. Troutman's fifteenth, still behind. Mike Kosicki and Evan Ingram. Uh, I think Dave and Jamie are officially the Adam Troutman guys. Uh, actually, that's only because I don't have rankings. Otherwise, so maybe I'd be the Adam we, Troutman we, we, We're the Adam Troutman podcast then. But not you? I'll just not talk. Not you? Uh, there's a lot of people in the industry like Adam Troutman. This is nothing new. He's been very popular since you know Jared Cook left. Um, but, you know, again, it's it's a matter of now you look at the Saints offense and you say, okay, who's going to catch the ball? And is it Traquan Smith with the hamstring injury? You know, Pete was saying that Marcus Callaway had a great day today. And I said to him, well, who else is, is there? And that's when he said, well, Kamara and Traubman were having a big day too. So, uh, you know, Traubman, I think, just has that that potential to be the next uh, Colby Fleener. Now, that's never been a bad Yeah, deal. all right. There you uh, go. So who's your breakout, Jamie? Is it Troutman? Uh, I'll go Irv Smith. You know, I, I, I think you saw, you know, he stepped up when Kyle Rudolph was gone last year uh, dealing with the injury. Um you know, uh, a good red zone target. You're already seeing, you know, positive reports uh, from Vikings camp that they're not going to, you know, really have a third receiver to speak of, which makes sense. You know, D.D. Westbrook was the guy that they brought in and, and he's going to play more of a special teams role. So it's it's hard for him to get the target share that he's going to need to be, I think, a top five guy. So I think you just have to keep that in perspective. Like, I think both Troutman and um, and Fant have a, have a higher ceiling if, if they hit. But I would not be surprised if, Irv Smith is uh, a better version of Robert Tunyon where he gets, you know, eight plus touchdowns, uh, gets more targets, gets more opportunity to put the ball, to do things with the ball. But um, he's not going to be a big catch and yards guy. He's going to be a touchdown guy. Nearly a quarter of his targets, overall targets (laughs) last year came in the red zone. And he was unstoppable. Like they schemed him up so well inside the 10 last year, just crossing routes, short stuff. He was wide open every single time. Yeah, uh, he, uh, Irv Smith, going later than I thought, he is, well, we'll get to, let's see, where is Irv Smith? He, uh, I'll tell you in a minute. Oh, he's in round 12. He's after Tunyon and, and Higby and Gasicki. I, I don't really understand Gronk, Gasicki ahead of Higby and... It's names you know. That's what people you yeah, know, what tend they, to gravitate towards. What has mm-hmm. Gasicki done? You know, I mean, Chris Gasicki, I'm just going to nominate him as a bust. If you look at his splits the last two seasons, listen to this. When Preston Williams has been in the lineup or out of the lineup, it's basically <laughs> been like nothing with Preston Williams and a lot or a decent amount without Preston Williams. Now it's not Preston it's Fuller. And Waddle, you know, it's it's a big difference. It's not just Preston Williams. I don't know. I'm never, I never draft. He may not play a lot. That's the problem. Right. He's another guy that's not a blocker. You know, he's not an inline tight end. Right. And so, you know, you could see him off the field a lot. Um, you know, with Shaheen probably playing a, a bigger role. So it, it's it's hard to justify drafting Mike Kaseki, um, barring an injury. But then again, you got Jalen Waddle who couldn't play last year because of an ankle injury. Will Fuller is a walking injury, so. Um, if if any of those two guys go down, uh, potentially both, then Gasecki's going to be a good waiver wire target. But that's really what he should be. He should be a waiver wire target. It shouldn't be somebody that you're looking at and saying, this is somebody I want to have on my fantasy team to start the season unless he's the second guy just in case. All right, so then what, let's go through the bus. What round is Gasecki being drafted in, Adam? 
ninth. You're a coward. Oh, oh, You're a coward, though. What do you mean? Like a round nine bust. Well, he's a top he 12 tight end. Drafted. He's a top 12 tight end. My, my bus is, my bus is George Kittle. Three tight end last year is a sleeper. So <laughs> my, my bus is George Kittle. So, uh, you know, um, nobody's got a, a higher end bus than that. Um, but okay. Anyway, who is, let's, let's get the real experts on who are your busts. Uh, Dave, you can kick it off. As tempted as I am to make the case for Noah fan, I won't do it. I will make the case for Logan Thomas as the bust. He finishes tight end five in PPR points per game last year. It was on the strength of these short area targets, these little dump off passes from Alex Smith. Think about this. He ranked third among tight ends and targets, but his average depth of target was seven yards. That was tied for 18th among tight ends. Uh, his, his per game average for targets was 6.9. And now he's got Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in under center. The mm-hmm. football team added Curtis Samuel. Maybe they've got something with the rookie Brown that they've got. They want to include Gibson in their passing a little bit more. Fitzpatrick has never really gotten great numbers out of his tight end. We bring up Mike Gesicki last year. That was actually the second best season a tight end has had with Ryan Fitzpatrick over his career. Uh, I've checked that. It was 2019 Gesicki, not even 2020 Gesicki. 45 catches, 535 yards, five touchdowns. I'm I'm nervous that Logan Thomas will take a step back in targets and a step back in overall production. His yards per target was terrible, but I don't know if that was just because of Alex He just Smith. got force-fed the ball a ton, and it happened a lot down the stretch last season. All right, uh, Heath, bust. Well, who else is being drafted in round nine? Uh, Gronkowski. <laughs> Gronkowski's got to be a bust in round nine, right? No, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Like The most likely bust is Kyle Pitts. Um, and I don't like it, but there have been two tight ends since I started playing football 23 years ago that have scored at least 160 PPR fantasy points in their rookie season. They scored 173 and 171. It was a pair of giants, Jeremy Shockey and Evan Ingram. (laughs) Kyle Pitts doesn't even play for the giants. Damn right. If he scores 170 fantasy points this year, you're not quite getting the value you're paying for in round four. He needs to have the greatest tight end rookie season ever just to justify his ADP. You're not necessarily profiting if he does that. It's just to to be worth what you paid for. That's not the type of bets that you should make in fantasy football. You should not bet on someone needing to break records to justify the cost you're paying for him. Uh, when, when do you think that you'd feel okay taking him? Well... I'm not taking him until round seven, but it doesn't like it's that's the whole thing is I I might reach for him occasionally at the end of round five, early round six, just to make sure I had some Kyle Pitts if that was an option. It's just never even something I get to consider. Yeah. Okay. Jamie Bust. Uh I, I was gonna say Pitts, which pains me, obviously, as a as a gator. Um, but <laughs> I think it just it just makes the most sense. Uh Adam, give me the ADP again. Cause all right, here we go. Kelsey, ninth overall. Waller, right Waller and Kittle, 26th and 27th. Round five, we have Pitts, Andrews, and Hawkinson. Jamie, say it. Travis Kelsey, bust. <laughs> Noah Fant, round seven. Dallas Goddard, round seven. That, That's the one yeah. right now. You know, and yeah, I, I, I hate it because I, I have so much optimism for him if, if they can <laughs> shake loose of Zach Ertz somehow. But if Ertz is there, you can't take him that high. Right. He had 5.7 targets per game with Hurts <laughs> and without Ertz last year. 
No red zone Wait a targets, second. by the way. No, he had no games with Hurts and no Ertz. With Hurts, no Ertz. That never happened for Goddard. What do you mean that didn't happen for Goddard? Ertz he, played, played, he played two games with Jalen Hurts. No, he played three games with Jalen Hurts, and Ertz played in all three of them. Okay, fine. So Ertz was there. Yeah. 5.7 targets and no Hurts. I can, this conversation I can, hurts my ears. I can give you the breakdown. So he didn't really have that great of a season. but um, When I rent a car, <laughs> I go to... Uh, so in the first three starts for Hertz, we won't count the Washington game because Goddard didn't play. Uh, Rager actually led the team in targets with 19 and then Ertz and Goddard both had 17. Uh, Greg Ward had 13. Trav- Travis Fulgham had five. I don't know about the running backs, but that's, that's how it was. Um, Goddard played four games without Zach Ertz. The first game was his first game back from injury. He had one catch on one target. The next game, 33 yards, and then the two after that without Zach Ertz, and this is where you get optimistic. 77 yards and a touchdown at Cleveland, 75 yards and a touchdown against Seattle. So that's two huge games out of four without Zach Ertz. Obviously, I think in the first, because uh, Goddard got hurt in the third start that Hertz made. Um, In the first two starts, he had 14 targets in those games. So, you know, that's encouraging. If you tell me he's getting seven targets a game from Jalen Hurts, I'm thrilled with that. I'll, I'll take my chances with the inconsistencies, but if that's going to be the average, that's fine. Um, yeah. But I just don't see it being realistic if, if Zach Ertz is there in 100%. Right. And, and I, I think... And, and the I plus think... side of that is, though, the plus side of Goddard, <laughs> he was still a top 10 tight end with Ertz two years ago. Yeah. You know, in, in total points. So they, they can coexist, but I don't think they can coexist with Jalen Hurts. All right, so let's see what stands out as we take a look at average draft position. Uh, I'll just repeat it. Kelsey, ninth. Waller, 26. Kittle, 27th. Pitts and Andrews and Hawkinson in round five. Noah Fant in round seven. I know, Heath, you'd be cool with that, right? Yeah, I think I actually have him in round eight, but I have Hawkinson and Pitts in round seven, so I just don't... Like, I don't want to draft a tight end in round four through six because I know that that's the dead zone. (laughs) I'm just saying it has been. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I mean, Adam, you were right. I know, but there I actually go. do draft Hawkinson a lot, and you know, I, I do draft those tight ends. I, I'm, not, I'm willing to overlook what's happened in the last few years. Plus, Waller was there the last last year. They're not all bad in that range. Um, all right, then after that, we got Logan Thomas. Oh, Dallas Goddard in round seven. Fan, everybody like Fant over Goddard at this point. Yes, I just made the change. Fant, Fant over, Goddard. over Goddard. Logan Thomas round eight. Gronk Gasicki in round nine. Just gross. Yeah. Oh, they're round nine, Heath. Nothing wrong gross. with that. Yeah. Higby round 10. We haven't talked about Robert Tunyon, who's tight end three last year. Tunyon round 10. Higby or Tunyon? I mean, that, that's the most obvious bus call there is. Yeah. The luckiest year ever. How many touchdowns did he have? 10. On 59 targets. I think he had the highest catch rate in football with a minimum of 40 targets, but still. Um, I think he had 11 touchdowns last year. Crazy. All right. 10 so and a half PPR points per game. It gets kind of interesting after that. Irv Smith, Jonu Smith, Evan Ingram. We haven't mentioned Evan Ingram. You know, last year he was terrible, but the three years, the first three years of his career, he was at worst seventh per game in PPR, ninth per game in non PPR. Um, Galladay's got a hamstring injury, should be ready for week one. He's not a bad gamble as a second tight end to draft. Right. But this you- is why, though, it's late because, like, we could net rattle off 17 names between tight end 10 and tight end 25. 
and they're probably all within 20 points in the projections. And one of them is going to score eight touchdowns, and that one's going to be good. And the ones we've, that you're going to gravitate toward are the ones we've already talked about, you know, Herb Smith and, and for whoever it is, Jonu Smith. Uh, yeah, well, actually, Troutman. Troutman. Oh, yeah, I forgot he's in this group now. Um, well, I mean, where's his ADP? It's low. It's very low. Yeah. But I, the, I have the world a f- hasn't caught up to Adam Troutman yet. Oh, there it is. All right. So after Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry. Why? Why is everybody on her? Well, I guess look, they're going very. You should look at their career stats page. I know. Why is everybody on Smith over over Henry? I can't say that. I guess I'm exaggerating because they're only two spots apart in average draft position. But I do think most people are on Johnu over Henry. Well, Henry hasn't <laughs> played 16 games yet in his career. And still uh, has better stats than John o. Smith every year. He he might, and that's a lot because of the touchdowns that he's pulled in. He's pulled in a lot of touchdowns over the course and, of his and career. The yards. <laughs> what? And the yards. Just in the yards. Look, I get. I, I, he has thirteen targets. games with over seventy plus yards. I don't think uh, Janu has quite that many, but no. I think I'm projecting with Janu. I think yeah. that Janu does get more games with seventy yards than Hunter Henry does. He's a healthier, more explosive tight end that the Patriots can find mismatches with. Well, and if you don't believe it, then Hunter Henry is, should be one of your last two picks. What do you think I, the age difference is? Oh, I don't think it's that far off. Two years. Mm-hmm. Is that is it? Year. I don't know. John, I think the thing with years. You know, first off, like like Dave made a, a point that I think a lot of people use in defense of John Smith that he signed the deal first. They actually got the same amount of money. Henry signed one day later. You know, it, it, it could have been semantics. Henry might have been their first phone call. We don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, Henry talked about how he was excited to be playing with, with John New. I'm sure John feels the same way. Uh, once upon a time, they had very good tight end duo. So it would be nice to see if they can do that again. The problem is with both these guys, they're going to be on such a low volume passing offense. So while one may lead the team in targets uh, and be the type of tight end that we look for in this range, I don't know how many targets that guy's going to get by comparison to a guy who's maybe third or fourth on his team in targets, you know, on, on a different team that has more volume. So I just looked it up. Hunter Henry is just less than one year older than John U. Smith. They've both played four seasons in the NFL. Hunter Henry's worst year in terms of yards is 478. John U. Smith's best year in terms of yards is 448. Henry has had trouble staying healthy, but to be fair to him, last year he stayed healthy, just had COVID. He missed two games with COVID. He did not miss any games with an injury. All right, I'm going to move on to the next group here and tell me if anybody, if you find yourself drafting any of these guys, Jared Cook, Anthony Ferkser, Zach Ertz, or Gerald Everett? Only in tight end premium leagues except for Everett, who I think is a good second tight end to look at as well. This is another team in Seattle that if they're going to change things and incorporate a third pass catcher, He's going to be the third pass catcher. Now, again, to what heights? I don't know. I don't think he's worth drafting as a uh, number one tight end or your only tight end on your team. But if he's, you know, in the group of guys, I think that are probably a few rounds ahead of him. He should be in the group that's a few rounds ahead of him because of his familiarity with the uh, coordinator now and what his potential role could be. So uh, I'm I'm a little excited about Jared. Not not hugely excited, but. Uh, if I am inclined to take two tight ends and I miss on you know somebody that has a higher ceiling, I, I think he's in that next group of guys. I think he qualifies as a tight end that you might be able to draft. And if after one or two weeks, like a streaming tight end, like if you just take him in the first couple of weeks and you don't like what you're seeing, he's easy to just cut and move on from and you know find whatever tight end did better in the first couple of weeks of the season. He should be a middle of the field option 
for for Russell Wilson. If Wilson is trying to get rid of the ball quickly every single play, that's a good place for Everett to be. We know he's more of a move tight end, not a blocking tight end. I think Jamie said it best. He could end up being third in targets among the Seattle Seahawks players. You just don't like the lack of involvement when he was in L.A. He had eight touchdowns in four seasons. Okay, and let's see. We've got almost Tebow. We're almost at Tebow. Blake Jarwin, interesting. Hooper, Akins, O.J. Howard. Yeah, Jarwin is so interesting because... Is Dalton he even the best guy? The yeah. Dalton Schultz is? Yeah. Mm, interesting. Okay, well, Schultz is going super late. Might need an injury to one of the receivers for them to be fantasy relevant, but... I, I don't really think know that that's for sure true because the past two years I think Jason Witten and Dalton Schultz have both finished top 13 at tight end if Blake Jarwin could be like a year ago everybody definitely thought Blake Jarwin was better than Schultz and Witten if Blake Jarwin could just be more efficient and get the same targets those two guys did over the past two seasons he's probably a top 10 tight end we just don't know if he's all the way back it might be Schultz's job how about Cole Komet or Tim Tebow yes that's an ADP Hayden Hurst Eric Ebron Commit's the one you hope. It's just that Jimmy Graham is still there in the way, and Cole Komet out-targeted Jimmy Graham by like 20 targets over the last month of the season last year, and Jimmy Graham scored double the fantasy points because he scored all the touchdowns. Okay, we've got... Eh, I don't know. I mean, Kyle Granson, Dan Arnold, there was a report about him connecting with Sam Darnold, Pat Fryermuth. Arnold's another streamer. Uh, he's got the Jets in week one. Um, Low-end streaming option. I think Ebron, I, I don't remember who the Steelers play in week one. I could look it up real quick, but I think his schedule is pretty good to begin the season. I love that Tim Tebow is going ahead of him, Eric Ebron. Well, I, I almost <laughs> wonder if people are drafting Tebow just for fun. Is there good luck player? Silly. Uh, Dawson well, that's what Knox, you do at the end of the year. Dawson Knox is kind of, I don't know. I mean, the, Buffalo, I've said this a lot. They talk so much about wanting to get production from their tight end. You're not going to find... When you look at the players in this range, I guess Cameron Braid is in this range, but he's the number three tight end. Like you're just not going to find passing offenses this prolific, and the starting tight end is potentially Dawson Knox. So no, I haven't drafted Dawson Knox, but that's the Do we case. We have to OJ Howard yet? We're not at OJ Howard. Did I skip Howard him? Yet. No, we are at OJ Howard. I think I are we? accidentally skipped him. He's in between Jordan Akins and Cole Komet. How is Akins still getting drafted? That's wild. Ebron starts well, against like Buffalo, by the way. You need, to, you need to be able to walk onto a football field to be in this group. <laughs> <laughs> Would you take so OJ Howard Tebow's there. or Dawson Knox? Howard. 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 Would you take Howard or Komet? Komet. Komet. Right now, I think um, they both have a future Hall of Famer kind of getting in the way, scoring touchdowns. Um, yeah. I think I've Komet one spot higher. Jimmy Graham's still on the Bears roster is baffling to me. <laughs> if you, I was a Bears fan, I would be very upset about that with the I just, good I don't players get they cut. Yeah. I don't get it. Veteran leadership. Answer honestly. Do you think people are still listening? Yeah. <laughs> <With> the players <laughs> no. that we're talking about right people now. People want to find the next super sleeper at tight end. I guarantee you. Adam, people everybody waits to hear your endings, so they all stay around. They're oh waiting to hear about Donald Parham. Would you take... Uh, Robitussin DM or Tylenol? I would take Robitussin DM at about the 45-minute mark of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, take, I'd take about 15 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Adam's dying. All right. I'm out of here, as you can tell. I need to go. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. 
tight ends in the books. Next week, we'll give you an update on your news and notes on Monday. Running backs on Tuesday and Wednesday. Wide receivers on Thursday and Friday. We're going to have a mailbag that airs on Saturday. And the salary cap draft on Sunday. We'll have seven episodes for you next week. Thanks to the crew. Talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.